this particular episode, what we're going to be looking into is heat pumps. And this is part of our part two of our three-part series in a winter driving. We already talked a little bit about an overview of the uh, winter driving in the previous episode. This one, though, is focused solely on heat pumps. And we, we sat down there in Jones and talked with him about the different heating systems that go into electric vehicles, how it compares to a gas vehicle's heating system, and, and why it's different, how it's different. Um, and it's it's a good lesson. It's and it's a very very informative. And one thing we'll just everyone keep in the back of your mind on some cars have some EVs have heat pumps, some of them don't. Tom is buying one in Northern Michigan that doesn't, and so we'll we'll see how that fares. What Aaron has to say about that. So um, listen in. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to Plug In for More, brought to you by EVUniverse.com. EVUniverse is your one-stop shop for all things related to the electric vehicle. Here on this podcast, our goal is to educate, inspire, and hopefully make your transition into the electric vehicle marketplace a lot less intimidating. And now, here are your hosts, Mike, Tom, and Bryant. Big news for me, I finally got an email from the Ford Motor Company about the Mach-E. Woohoo! Uh, I am scheduled to have my Mach-E built the week of December 12th. And so if it's built, you're going to get it January, hopefully sometime mid to late January, I'm guessing. I mean, I think of all of the delays that we've been dealing with with Ford is that, you know, the shipping delays is part of it. And I've been hearing and seeing horror stories about cars that have been stuck on you know parking lots in either dearborn or kentucky or wherever else and the car sat there for a month so i hope that doesn't happen to me and the car gets quickly shipped from mexico to to michigan and i get it but i think a month is probably a safe reasonable guess yeah i mean one thing i'm super curious about and if you listen to our earlier podcast you you know this already but tom's father put in a reservation for a Mach-E moments minutes after tom did at the uh the same dealership and his is coming in too i'm curious even though his is being built a week i think is what you said earlier a week a week later than a week, week, okay a week later than yours when he will get his and if there's a shipping delay if he'll he will actually have it before you do and if oh, he does God. the the <laughs> <laughs> the response there we should record that just so everyone can hear it on how much just, bragging he will be doing and and my temper tantrum mm-hmm. yeah. yeah well we don't want to display that that might be uh <laughs> might be too much for everyone to handle i think oh man but i wouldn't be surprised if somehow they end up getting delivered on the same truck mm-hmm. but yeah. uh then you yeah. can fight them for who's got the first spot at the dealership to pick it up yeah yeah he yeah. can have his but um, so that's exciting news for that. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I spent a little bit more time looking at the new Chevy Silverado and then also the yeah. um, GMC Denali, which the Denali just came out, which I thought that thing was gorgeous. Um, obviously they're very similar trucks, right. but uh, you know, they're, they're pretty neat. I, I like the interior. That was the thing that um, kind of surprised me the most on how cool that looks. So that Denali EV that they did the announcement for, they at the same time as the announcement, they did the reservation as well. And they closed the reservation mm-hmm. banks after 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And the GM announced that they're going to make like just under like 10,000 of those trucks. So like I'm assuming if you got into that 15 minutes, you're one of 10,000 for the reservation. 
Yeah. I, I got mine in the first 30 seconds. Yeah, mine took a little bit longer, maybe first two minutes, something like that. But so, we were we were trying. So we'll see uh see what <laughs> happens. You're listening to the Plug In for More podcast. If you're looking for information on electric vehicles, electric vehicles components, or information on how to reduce your carbon footprint, look no further than EVUniverse.com. EVUniverse.com is your one-stop shop for all things related to electric vehicle. So we're talking about heat pumps and heating systems and vehicles, whether it be you know, gas vehicles to electric vehicles to heat pumps to whatever other systems that are out there and what, what exists. And I'm really just hoping that you can open our eyes to that, Aaron, and give us a, a down and dirty, you know, explanation of what we're dealing with an electric vehicle. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think when we look at ICE vehicles, um, you know, they've kind of got it easy. Uh, I, I say that because like the the literal thing that makes them go is an explosion. So uh, with explosion comes heat, and with heat comes transfer. So, you know, when we look at an ice vehicle, it takes the coolant that's desperately trying to cool off these explosions um, and just transfers that through the cabin of the vehicle. Radiant heat comes out uh, and is blown kind of like, you know, just blown through like a, a hairdryer. Ice vehicles, they've got it a little bit easy. Um but what we're kind of seeing, and we've seen heat pumps before in the EV world. It's not something that's kind of new to it. I think um, the first the first one to have it was the Leaf, the Nissan Leaf. And that was right around 2013 uh, is when we saw them introduce a heat pump. It was pretty rudimentary, but it, it was really similar to what we see in houses. So I, I think the easiest way to kind of understand how our heat pump systems are going to work in our electric cars is kind of look at where it all stemmed from. It, it's all stemmed from household applications. Uh, if we can understand how heat transfers in a house, we're going to easily understand how heat transfers in our cars. It's like um, you're out in Michigan, Tom. You, you've got a furnace, right? Right. Yeah, so us in the South, we don't have a furnace, and that's because it doesn't actually get super cold. When we look at how heat pumps work, um, what they are doing is they are not generating heat. Um, their job is not to make or produce any kind of heated air. They're actually going to transfer heat energy um, from the outside world. So when we look at you know air conditioning into the house, um, it's more like putting a, like a hot can in a cooler full of ice. So you're taking a, a hot room and the air conditioning system is there to extract all of the heat from that can. So when we look at heating the house, it's kind of like when you put that can in your hand. So now the system is involved with removing the cold from the can and, and taking the heat from your hand. So we're going to do that by pumping pressurized refrigerant into the house because anytime you, you pressurize a gas it's going to get hot so you send that pressurized refrigerant into the house and it is going to pull all of the cold molecules out of your house you're going to send cold refrigerant back outside and its job is to pull the heat from outside so the reason the south can use it is because the south has like normal weather where it doesn't get cold um, we don't need to generate heat. And, and the weird occasion that it gets below like 30 degrees here, which is cold to us, um, we have emergency grids. 
that will help kick on and do emergency heating. And we see that application kind of transfer to um, cars, too. Well, you know, we see a lot of heat pump systems that come with a, a backup heating grid for super low temps. Now, you guys up in the in the Arctic Circle, which is the northern parts of the states, you guys need something that generates heat. Um, the only problem with a furnace is that it still is going to need natural gas or propane. Yep. The cool thing with the heat pump is it doesn't need anything. I mean, it is literally using the outside world, and you're able to build an AC system, an air conditioning system, in the same system as your heating element. Really, the way they do that is kind of making a two-way system. So if you need to do air conditioning, you pump pressurized refrigerant to the outside to gather cold molecules to take into the inside. And then you flip the flow, and then you have pressurized refrigerant going into the house to pull the cold coming that is in the house. Mm. So it's it's a clever system. What they, uh, they use a reversing valve um, that will actually kind of target where the refrigerant is going and how it needs to cycle through the system. Um, we we see a lot of those in our cars too. <laughs> yeah. So, um. So heat pumps are weird. Heat pumps. Uh. Y- you can watch twenty different YouTube videos on it and try to figure out the best way to understand it. Um. But the way that it works for me is that I'm going to take this heat and I'm going to move this heat somewhere else. And I think that's kind of like the 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 three year old understanding. Okay. And so like what I'm hearing in essence is that the heat pumps since they're not creating heat they're just moving heat while they may be more efficient they're not as effective in extreme temperatures so that's that's pretty much on the spot um a lot of heat pumps will uh, well a lot of car companies have come out and said that their heat pumps will start to start to lose efficiency not efficiency uh lose heating ability around 17 degrees fahrenheit okay um so that's kind of when we start seeing them back up with you know support heaters or how they're going to do that to help um and companies that do not have backups they are trying to figure out a way for their heat pump system to heat itself uh mm. it's, a, it's a really hard software it's a really hard uh, system to build and it takes a lot of money but they're working on it um but the the reason heat pumps are super important to the ev world is because um cold climates suck and and not just like for as a human uh but just for cars uh, so i mean you look at lithium ion it hates the cold all you're doing is increasing resistance as long as the, the temperature drops um so Let's take a like a 2019 Chevy Bolt. Um, they were non-heat pump system. So on a 70 degree day, you're looking at like 261 miles of range. That's a good day, good weather. Drop that down to 32 degrees, and now you're looking at about 186 miles of range. Wow. Um, so that's a 29% range drop. If you drop that to zero degrees Fahrenheit, you're getting 120 miles range, so 54% range loss with 70 degrees of temperature bias. So is that just because of the battery, the negative impacts of the cold on the battery, or is that also accounting for heating the vehicle? Well, it's got a, yeah, it's both. So okay. what you want to do is you want to keep your battery pack at around 
70 to 75 degrees Fahrenheit. That's where the lithium resistance is the best. It's the best for charging, best for performance and efficiency, and actually driving the vehicle. But then you're also trying to keep the cabin warm. And most of this cabins, um, you know, it kind of depends. And this is going to be like picking hairs, but cloth via leather or versus leather. And trying to warm a cloth-soaked cold is harder, in my opinion, than warming a, a very solid leather seat. Mm. Um, so a lot of these entry-level cars that are coming in with cloth, it takes a lot longer to warm the cabin. Um, and then you've got heated seats, you got heated steering wheels. I mean, cold climate, you're, you're doing everything you can to stay warm. Uh, because it's not, I mean, they have their own functions where you could, like in an ice car, where you would go outside and start the car and let it run. Mm-hmm. You can do that with most EVs, but it's just sitting there just pulling all of that energy. Um, and so cars without heat pumps have, we, we either call them resistive heaters. Um, a type of resistive heater is going to be a positive temperature coefficient heater, which is what we see in like Tesla's. and um, and bolts um, they're fancy candle warmers that's all they are you you plug them into their high voltage circuit a, a coil gets hot it goes to a ceramic blade the ceramic blade brings heat to the cabin okay um, and the crazy thing is it's a hundred percent efficient it does its job a hundred percent there's no thermal loss um, so it's it's a great alternative the only problem is you still need power yeah. That's that's kind of where we see the downfall of that. So let's say a car with a heat pump will produce about one kilowatt of power, while the PTC heater vehicles are going to take about three kilowatts. Okay. So we see about a 300% efficiency increase on systems that are using heat pumps. So in, in these, in these cold-ish climates, it works out fantastic. Um, it's just... It's just a great system. So Mike and Brian have been teasing me about the Mach-E not having a heat pump. But what I'm hearing is being up here in the Arctic Circle, as you put it, I'm probably going to be better off having my vehicle be adequately heated with a traditional PTC heater than, than a heat pump. I think that there's a couple of different methods that car companies can be going for this. Um, so... From my understanding, the reason the Mach-E and the Ford Lightning are coming without heat pumps right now is because they are um, platform-based. So they're built off of a chassis that's already pre-built. So I believe what's the Mach-E is on the Escape chassis and the Lightning's on the F-150 chassis. Um, so just packaging-wise, there was no room for mm. a heat pump. Um that's why we can kind of see like Tesla's running it or Nissan's running it because they've built a car to be an EV instead of having a car and making it an EV. Gotcha. Um, but so we look at what the industry has kind of deemed the king of the winter. Um, weirdly enough is the BMW i3, the little toaster that could. Um, <laughs> I, so I used to work for a BMW and I'd, I love driving them home. You you have to drive them every once in a while when they sit on the lot. And I I thought they were cool. The interior was great. But, man, the skinny bicycle tires up front when you're going 70 on the highway is just a tad bit scary. Um, but they, they kind of worked out a really good system. And by that, they 
they use both resistive heating and a heat pump system. So the heat pump system is only for the cabin. Um, where some other systems are going to use heat pump for all of the car. So mm. cooling, powertrain, battery. Um, they only use it for the cabin. And that pulls the efficiency, I guess, a lot higher. They are. They're they're a lot more efficient because now the heat pump's only pumping into the cabin. Okay. They can use a smaller heat pump. Um, and we see this system roll over into the I-4 too. But the I-4's heat pump is... 75% more efficient than we saw in the i3, hmm. which is crazy. Um, so they use resistive heating to actually warm the battery pack and the powertrain um, and waste heat from the powertrain. They're doing both, and then it is a backup. They can use the resistive heating to help warm the cabin. I, I, it's it's pretty, pretty genius in my eyes, um, just because cars are going to need heat pumps. I mean... Year December and January, you're gonna need a something a lot warmer than a heat pump. But like, what's what's your medium temp in September through November? Yeah, we're in the sixties, fifty sixties. So you just need that little oomph to give you, you know, a little bit better range. Yeah, but I mean, a lot of companies are doing it. Uh, Kia, Hyundai, they're the EV6 and. All all-wheel drive Ionic fives have heat pumps. Um, they're basically the same setup as a household, where they have a reversing valve, um, and it runs through the whole uh, battery, powertrain, and cabin. Um, the rear-wheel drive Ionic five comes with a resistive heater in the cabin. Um, let's see. Uh, the ID fours, weirdly enough. In the rest of the world, uh, they have heat pumps, but in the states, they do not have heat pumps. Interesting. Any idea why? So, I'm I'm guessing they didn't really expect the sales margin to be there. Mm. Um, I mean, heat pumps are expensive to install in the cars. Uh, you can get a, a manufacturer to print a PTC heater, I'm sure, for a quarter of the price of a heat pump system because you know you're going to need a valve you need longer ac lines um you're gonna need a whole different expansion valve setup it's a it's an expensive hobby i mean heck i think that's why tesla stayed off for it for so long we see a lot of ev companies kind of raging war against range calculations right and and when the epa does their range analysis they don't take into consideration your winter efficiency they care how how well you did on a flat ground at 70 degrees with certain elevation, you know? Sure. So so Tesla was like, I'm not going to really get any more numbers if I do a heat pump. It's going to cost me 300-something million dollars to, to build it. Um, we don't really want to do it like everybody else is doing it. And then you saw Tesla owners in Canada start to just get so many. Norway. I mean, right. Norway's got like 10 to 20% of the vehicles on the road are Tesla, something crazy like that. Wow. Um, and then they're like, all right, we've we got to do something to try and help. And Tesla says that their heat pump system, and I, I didn't get if it was Celsius or Fahrenheit. I'm going to say Fahrenheit because they say it it should work down to negative 30 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. And the way that they do it is they actually have two loops of refrigerant. So one refrigerant is meant to warm the other one. So instead of having a backup heater, they have a backup circuit, 
which will continuously ride mm. and warm it up, warming the vehicle up. Now, Tesla doesn't have the best record for heat pumps, let's just say. <laughs> I've got multiple failures at the beginning of this year. Um, the Canadians were not happy with us at the beginning of this year. Um, and, you know, that was due to, I don't want to necessarily call it oversights, but one of the issues was that snow was keeping open a grate. Mm. Like as you would drive, it would open up the grate and it would just stay there. Um, but I mean, all of these things have been uh, repaired, replaced, updated via software. You know, we've got a we've got an interesting winter coming ahead of us for Tesla to see how this heat pump system's working because now it's not only in the Model Y, now it's in the three, it's on the S, and it's in the X. And um, I mean, just the huge batch of EVs that we've seen launched this year that haven't even seen winter yet. Right. Um, like, I mean, Hyundai and Kia, they should be golden because they've had, I mean, the Kia Soul EV had a heat pump since 2015, I believe. And then the Kona had it, I believe mm-hmm. the old Ionics had it. Um, so they, they should have their bearings. Like they should have it pretty uh, enough to get through the winter. Um, but I'm interested to see how Tesla fares, how uh, the i4 fares. The i4 also has resistive heating to help in super cold weather. Because I believe it was either Hyundai or BMW that said 17 degrees Fahrenheit is when the heat pump just stops. Hmm. The other cool thing that BMW is doing, uh, and I'm I'm waiting to get more research on. I'm hopefully hopefully we can go play with one here soon. But the iX, it's yeah. using radiant heating off of the door panels and off of the trim panels. So it's, I mean, I, from what I can understand, it's still a plug-in heating, um, but it's going to be, oh man, I, I used to have a house with uh, a gas heater compared to electric. Yeah. And that radiant feel of just like the gas heating coming in and just, uh, it's going to be so cozy in that car. It's not going to be fair. Like it's going to, they're going to need one of those wake up alarms if you start drifting off out of the lines. <laughs> But it's cool to hear that tech moving that way, like the radiant heat in the panels. Like I never would have considered that. I think it's honestly really cool. And uh, you know, I was just driving today. We're in the mid forties here in northern Michigan, and I had my heated seat and heated steering wheel on, and I was like, "Man, this is really nice. It's cozy." So the Mach E's that I'm getting, they eliminated the comfort technology package for twenty twenty three, and that includes the heated seat and the heated steering wheel. That's cool. Right. I thought you were going to say they got rid of it completely. I was going to be like, what jerks? Well, they did. Well, the car that I ordered, they did. Like, oh. I ordered it with heated seat, heated and steering wheel. They eliminated the package and they said, yeah, too bad, Tom. You don't get that anymore. And if I wanted to upgrade to the premium, which wasn't available when I originally ordered back in March of 22, I could have done so and got it the heated seat and steering wheels, but that was like an $8,000 upgrade at that point. Oof. So, like, I'm going to get it to maintain the MSRP of the 22 that I ordered back in March. But if I wanted to switch packages, they're going to make me pay the 2023 MSRP, which is the $8,000 price bump between the package increase and the MSRP increase from 22 to 23. Yeah, so you're still, I mean, you're still paying MSRP on it though, right? I, I am. I'm, I'm expecting that it'll be minus the $3,000 comfort tech package that I asked for that is no longer coming. 
But now I'm going to be in a spot where I have this Mach-E that's a standard range battery and it doesn't have a heat pump. And now I don't have heated seats or heated steering wheel. So I'm going to have to be banking on a lot of preconditioning while I'm plugged in, Mm -hmm. which is okay. It's still, I mean, it's not ideal perhaps compared to other vehicles, but for my first one, it's going to be a learning curve. And well, and I think when we look at battery and powertrain heating, um, that's still going to be pretty efficient. Um, I mean, they'll, they'll take waste heat from the powertrain. Um, and, and I'm sure at some point in that system, they've got somewhere that is heating coolant. Um, it's going to suck for cabin heating. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to suck really bad for cabin heating. And I, I mean, I think the advice for consumers who have cars like that is, is exactly what you said. Precondition, you know, plug your car in overnight. Uh, go ahead and start preconditioning. If you can set a set time, start preconditioning about two hours before you get in the car. Mm. Just do it at a, at a nominal temp. That would be fine for you, like 70. Um, and then if you need to get in there, bump it up to 72, 74. Um, then that's a good idea. Like 69 is not a bad cabin temp to get started in. You know, you don't have to get in the car at 85 degrees and be ready to leave. Right. Um. And I think that's going to be even harder for people who keep their vehicles outside of a garage. Um, because you're, but if you can do it while you're on a charger, then that's, that's going to be huge. Yeah. And, and that's all going to be part of the learning curve for me. Like I have yet to live in a house where I've been able to keep a car in the garage ever. That's why I'm used to scraping a foot of snow off my car in the winter, (laughs) calling it good or letting it run for a half hour. So that melts off, you know? So in, Two weeks, listen into our next episode where I'll sit down again with Aaron Jones and we're going to be talking about tires and traction and rolling resistance and, and all of the factors for electric vehicles that, that come with winter driving and uh, those topics. We'll keep Aaron busy the yeah. next couple of days. I think he likes it. Yeah, he's a good dude. He's such a good dude. I, I really enjoy working with him. I like him a lot. Thank you for listening to Plug In For More. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, check out the one-stop EV marketplace, eVUniverse.com. Until next time.